0: I wanted to begin by showing a, uh, a video, uh, which, which we showed at the summit, if I can find it. Um. Dignity means compassion
1: and understanding for everyone. Now is the time. Almost one in eight people around the world have a disability. All too often, children are excluded from school. Women and men are excluded from society, work and decision-making. Dignity means having a voice. Dignity means listening. Dignity means being valued and recognised.
0: Deaf people are no different to others. They should be treated like normal people.
1: And I want a world without any stigma. I want a world where Every human being is enabled to achieve their potential. Now is the time to take action. So people with disabilities can enjoy their rights, dignity, freedom. and have their voices heard.
0: So um, I wanted to show you uh, that video from the summit. I'm not going to talk too much about the summit, I want to actually talk about some lessons I learnt and others learnt from the summit and from working on disability inclusion. But before I do so I guess I wanted to talk a little bit about what we mean by disability because the terminology around disability is quite tricky, it's quite complex. I refer to, to people with disabilities as people with disabilities because I work internationally, um, whereas people in the UK p- would prefer to be called disabled people. Um, so it's, it's tricky to get the terminology right, and also the, the number of different uh, impairment types are huge. Um, so the terminology covers a, a, a huge range of human experiences, autism, Alzheimer's, ADHD, paraplegia multiple sclerosis, Down syndrome, schizophrenia, people with visual and hearing impairments so the term disability really is, is a tricky one because it's, it's, it's how a person would define themselves and it's, it's really about what binds people together um, and nothing really binds them together other than people have placed them under that, uh, under that bracket and under that terminology So I wanted to make broadly three um, points um, this morning. The first one was um, under the title, Nothing About Us Without Us. So that is um, the uh, motto of the disability community and something that has driven um, the work on disability for a long time. So the aim of the summit that we had last week was to put people with disabilities around the world at the heart of decision-making and in the driving seat. So to no longer be passive actors, but to be agents of change. So we made sure every single bit of the summit was was moderated by people with disabilities, was chaired by disabilities, and it's why we co-hosted it with the International Disability Alliance, who are the, the international federation and voice of persons with disabilities around the world. Now, our aim was to shift the power from governments from big international donors, including DFID, from UN agencies and businesses to people with disabilities to get real strong commitments that we will now put people with disabilities at the voice of those decision making. Now we had that, we had some really, really ambitious commitments, but that is just the start of the journey. So how does this actually work? What does it mean for us here in our community when we say nothing about us without us? How do we empower and not overpower disabled people now firstly i'd like to point out that it does feel strange to me talking about this issue in a non work context as someone like myself who's who's not disabled i'm not visibly disabled but i'm talking about this issue but what i've learnt is that around issues of exclusion it needs all of us to take it on whether we're disabled or non-disabled and it needs leadership from all quarters i think this is something in Oasis that we do really well. We do it uh, on a regular basis, and Steve and others and everybody in this community is taking leadership on issues around LGBT, for example. Another um, reflection is that I've been doing this job, my current job, working in the disability team in DFID for two years, and before I did that job, I didn't really come across many people disabled people in my life, um, and I realised quite early on that I had unconscious bias about disabled people. I, somewhere in my brain, in my head, I, I viewed disabled people as as less, as unable to do the jobs and the activities that, that, that non-disabled people do. And I realised soon that that was, that was wrong, and um, it was only through daily interactions with disabled people here in the UK that um, it became much more normal to me. I didn't think about it anymore and I, I, I started addressing those unconscious biases. What I've also noticed is that when we in our team and people in Difid, interact with disabled people, um, it, it often goes one of two ways. So first, and I definitely did both of the, these and probably still do, first we tend to go over the top so we go, we try and open doors, we try and do everything, we try and overcompensate for, for that person. Or we go completely the other way and we, we don't want to make that person feel uncomfortable, we don't want to be overbearing, disempowering, so we don't do anything. So it's really tricky how to find that balance, but I would argue that it's only through interactions, it's only through inclusion that we can get there. Um, and I want to show one more video clip um, which, if you just bear with me.
1: I got the train here today. I always like to sit in those seats for disabled people. I was about halfway here when another disabled person got on and asked me to move. I didn't realize I'd be playing disabled-top trumps when I got on, or I would have dressed more special. (laughs) Needless to say, I didn't give up my seat. Who cares if he was both blind and deaf? I was there first. (laughs) It was very awkward. He couldn't see that I was still there. And I couldn't tell him I wasn't moving because I can't speak. Before I leave you, I have one more thing to say. I hate that we have so many politically correct words to describe disabled people now. It's all special needs, special schools, special Olympics. I don't know what is so special about me. That is why it always alarms me when I hear about special forces going to war. You've been a fantastic audience.
0: Goodbye. So that was, um, he was called the lost voice guy. I don't know whether you, whether many of you watch Britain's Got Talent, but he won Britain's Got Talent. And I, I was, I was debating whether to show that or not, because, um... Comedy is comedy is quite subjective, and we also thought about um, get, trying to get him to the global disability summit. But again, um, with political leaders there, and we dis, we decided not to. But it, I guess the point I'm trying to make by showing that is well, there's two things. One is a person is not defined by their disability. Clearly, um, he, he as a, co- a comedian. Uh, rather than someone with a a disability. And also the complexity of disability, that story about um, him on a train with someone who was uh, deaf and blind and that interaction um, means that it's it's hugely complex and there's multiple and overlapping impairments. It's difficult to get right, but it's really important to ask um, in in different situations. Which leads me to the second point I wanted to make, about um, everything is imperfect. So um, the, the issue is clearly complex, and there's a lot of depth to it. And through um, the Disability Summit, we wanted to do real, genuine good and create change around the world. Um, we, we genuinely did, I, I believe, do that, but it was marked also by political criticism and protests. So I wanted to show you... Um, Firstly, on the left, so it's an article that was in The Guardian, um, and it says, Britain's treatment of disabled people reminds me of The Handmaid's Tale. I don't know whether you've watched The Handmaid's Tale, but it's a pretty horrific uh, TV programme. Um, it's a good TV programme, it's It's got a horrific story in it. Um, and for the Conservatives to host the inaugural Global Disability Summit with their track record is a staggering hypocrisy. You've also got on the right, as a tweet from uh, John MacDonald... Um, John McDonnell, sorry, uh, about the height of hypocrisy for the UK government to do this summit, and in the bottom right, the shadow minister for disabled people about um, the Tories' hypocrisy on disability rights is shocking. Um, Now, all of that may well be true, um, but the point to make is that it's far more complicated than that. It's far more nuanced, and it's not black and white. The summit for example, was entirely focused on international issues. It's international development. It's led by the Department for International Development. Um, and it was actually a decision that that my team and and the team at DFID, we put to ministers. So it wasn't actually a political decision, but it's one we got political support for. Therefore, it's really important to recognize in all we do, and this is is for every issue that we look at, that it's not black and white. It's not as simple as um, this person has done that, so they mean that. Um, I was talking to Steve earlier in the week, and he gave the example of um, the situation with the the Syrian refugees and um, the work that we're doing there. And actually, he he was challenged on... um, on bringing Syrian refugees here and housing them and providing them a community? And actually, will we be there in 10 years' time providing that level of support and community? And actually, would those people be be better off in a neighboring country where they have communities, relatives, support? So it's not always black and white, and it's not always as easy as saying we fight and rally injustice without knowing how nuanced the issues are. Um, so the, the, the final point I wanted to make was around um, something called the social model of disability. Now, in, in the past, um, people have seen, uh, within international development and within day-to-day life, see disability as a problem, as a problem to be fixed. It's seen as a medical problem, um, and we see disabled people as that problem that we need to, to mend. So, and, on, and on, when I was doing some research for this and some reading, on the surface, it does seem to be the model that is um, apparent in the Bible. So, whether that's Jesus healing the leper in Matthew, or whether that's John um, in John, Jesus uh, healing the man born blind. But it's clear, again, when we go into the issues, that the message is much deeper than that. And it's more in tune with the social model of disability rather than the medical or charity model of disability. Now, the social model is about addressing the barriers in society. Um, It's not about the individual. It's about the barriers that exist. So the lack of accessibility that we may have in schools, in society, the lack of affordable assistive devices and technologies, even basic ones such as wheelchairs, hearing aids, visual aids... Barriers to education, jobs, and healthcare, and also pervasive negative attitudes and stereotypes that we have in society. So, the theologian um, John Swinton—he's re- done a lot of work around um, the theology of disability. Now, he argues that we need to move even further than the social, um, the social model, and further than inclusion. And I think this is a really good challenge. Um, for all of us today. Um, So he says, the idea of including people with disabilities works on an overly narrow understanding of disability and as such does not go far enough in overcoming the alienation, stigmatisation and exclusion of those whom we choose to name disabled. I argue that we need to move beyond the narrow politics of inclusion to the practices of belonging. In the, in the same article, um, John Swinton um, talks about a conversation he's had with um, an elderly lady in his community called Elaine, and she has uh, intellectual disabilities. He interviews her, and she outlines how she feels included in the church. And she has friends, and she has a sense of belonging. However, on further discussion with the lady, it is apparent that she's never been invited for lunch or into anyone's home. So she has a series of friendships, and she has inclusion that lasts 90 minutes on a Sunday morning. So she isn't included but she does belong to the fellowship. So I guess that's my, my main message um, from this morning about the work and the lessons I've learned, is how do we move um, further than inclusion to one of belonging, which Dan mentioned before. And as um, we're going to go into communion um, shortly, and as we go into communion, I'd really like you to reflect on, on three things, those three messages How are we including people with disabilities and the most included within all that we do? How are we ensuring that we live the values of nothing about us without us? How do we look at these issues considering their complexity and depth? And finally, how do we move beyond inclusion to one of belonging? How do we do this in our lives? and with those in our communities. And what I wanted to do finally was to just read that passage again. So Dan read that passage from Deuteronomy, which, again, I, I, I thought it was really good because it, um, it challenges us to think a bit differently. So you can read it once and think, um, oh, that's about, uh, that's about disabled people, and that's about how we need to do the charity medical model. Well, actually... It's a challenge for all of us, and a a challenge for all of us to be brave in how we bring a sense of belonging to people with disabilities. So um, I'll read it again. I'm not sure whether we can get it on the screen, but I'll I'll read it again. So it's Deuteronomy 31, 6 to 8. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them, and you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes beyond you, and he will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged." Um I'm going to hand back over to Dan who will lead us into communion. Thank you, Rich.